2: Hey, my wife and I are up here today, and we... I know everyone always gets excited when you come up here with me. We're going to be talking about what are you carrying today. What are you carrying? I've got a tea and my mints and... Who am I kidding? That's not... We're going to talk about what are you carrying, but that's not the context. But per their last video that they just did, uh, how many know in two weeks we have Easter coming? Okay, news flash for the rest of you. You might want to put this on your calendar. In two weeks, it's Easter. Now, Mary, we're in a room full of Christians. What do we celebrate on Easter? Death,
1: the death, the burial, the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Yeah. It's Resurrection
2: Christ. Sunday. So in a room full of Christians, when we mention resurrection... I think there's some half-Christians.
1: What happens to those who sit on the fence?
2: I'm not sure. Mm. In two weeks, we have Easter coming up. Now, here's my question for you. We're going to do a couple things this year for Easter that are a little bit different. (laughs) Who are we kidding? Everything we do is different. That's okay. (laughs) Especially in my world. On Thursday night, which is Holy Thursday, okay, Pastor Rick has recorded a special invite for all your friends and family. Because how many of you invited lots of people to come to church? Oh yeah, you didn't get tickets last week. We're going to get you tickets in a second, however. Uh, On Holy Thursday at 9.30 p.m., can everyone say 9.30 p.m.? On WCF's Facebook page, we're going to play a Facebook Live video, which is Pastor Rick's invite to your friends and family to come to Good Friday service and Easter Sunday but wait, there's more. (laughs) So all you have to do is go on to your Facebook. Does anyone have a Facebook page? Okay, wave at me funny if you don't know what Facebook is. You don't have one? That's okay. Uh, If you have Facebook, what we'd like you to do is just go on at 9.30 p.m. on Thursday night and share it to your wall, and then all your contacts will get the invite. How many say that's a pretty easy way to invite people to church? Pretty low-key. Now, the social media guys that you just saw up on the screen told me that usually when you get a 1,000 shares, you get a million views, wow, wow. or a million views produces a 1,000 shares. So we're going to try to do it backwards, because if there's a 1,000 people in our church that can share it, our faith will be that we'll get a million views. And if we get a million views and only 10% of those come to church... You better come early for Easter or you might not get a chair. (laughs) It's okay, we'll put a PA in the parking lot and you can stand in the back corner over there and hope it's not raining. (laughs) But we're going to make it a little bit easier for you because how many of you are going to remember on Holy Thursday at 9.30 p.m. to go on to Facebook and actually share the link? I didn't see too many of you pull out your phones and put it in your calendar. For the rest of you, this is what I need you to do. Go to wcf.ca, our website. Go to the top, backslash text, and then enter your phone number, and we'll send you a text to remind you. How many say, we're that good? <laughs> we have the technology. Dun, 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 You want to talk about the ticket?
1: Sure. So those of you who do not have Facebook and you want to invite your friends and your family, what are you carrying? You could be carrying this in your purse, in your pocket, in your Bible, wherever you want. Uh, You could be carrying this. So if you don't have Facebook, or you would just prefer handing out these invitations to people personally, the ushers are coming around, and they can give you a few invitations to hand out to your friends and to your family.
2: So this ticket... Simply has our Good Friday message, the heart of God, Easter story on Easter Sunday. And we have some fun things planned for Easter. And in the kids' church, they're going to be doing the road to resurrection. So all your kids are going to want to bring their friends to hear about the message of Jesus at this Easter event. And we'll say this, Easter Sunday is rapidly in the culture becoming... uh, Church service that people don't want to miss more so than even Christmas. Yeah. So there's the Easter crowd and the Christmas crowd, you know, the E and C Christians that come twice a year. But Easter seems to be one. There's a lot of people that will likely come to a service if you can simply just invite them. Right, that's right. And and the good news about that is simply this. My job is to take the message and share it with you. Jack. Lynn, I would love to have you here at our Easter service. Would you like to come? Thank you. love to. It's going to be fun. After I invite them, it's between them and God whether they show up. It's not on me. I just gave them the information. God's the one that works on people's heart. The Holy Spirit's the one that convicts people of sin. I don't do that. That's not my job. I know some of you think it's your job, but it's not your job. The Holy Spirit's really good at convicting people of sin. We don't have to deal with that. <laughs> His department, okay. So ask yourself this question. When you're handing out these tickets and when you're sharing this link, do people desire that which you have? Does your life look a little different so they want what you've got? And the second question you have to ask yourself is, do people feel your concern for their soul? Do they have an understanding that you're truly concerned about their soul? You're not just going out there and inviting them because I said you should. You really should. And I could show you in the Bible where it says you should. But the truth is, you should have a heart change when you gave your life to Jesus and you have a love for lost people that need to know Jesus. And there's a lot of lost people out there. All right, so we set it up a little different today. I'm gonna talk a lot my wife's going to talk a lot, then I'm going to talk a little, then my wife's going to talk a lot, then I'm going to talk a little, then she's going to—we set it up a little different. So she's going to sit there for a little while right now and be very patient with her husband as I work through some of the content. But the very first thing that you should be carrying is carrying the light. Can everyone say, carry the light? Carry the light. Okay. In Romans 13, 11, 12, 13, 14, This is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty cloths and put put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness. Or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. So, the first thing that we see in this passage is very clearly light and darkness do not mix. Where light is, darkness is not. Oh, that's such a deep revelation. When you are carrying, when you put on, carry, the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, what did we just sing about? Where Jesus is, there's healing. When Jesus walks in the room, death begins to leave. The dead become alive again. Some of you just aren't quite getting that yet. See, you were dead in your sin, and Jesus walked into your heart, and your heart became alive. Where light is, darkness cannot be. If you are carrying the light of Jesus when you walk into the room, guess what? It exposes the darkness in the room. And that means if there's some people that don't know Jesus, they might not like you too much initially. Because your light always exposes the darkness in their own heart. Isn't that what it does? And when light exposes the darkness, they... Usually, let me back up, people that are sinners, they like to hang out with other sinners and they like to do things that sinners do. Just like you did before you came to Jesus. Operative word, before. And then what happens is, everybody's doing it so nobody feels convicted. Nobody feels guilty. But when one person gives their life to Jesus and starts living different on the moral level, all of a sudden, Oh, wait a minute. Oh, look at you, you goody-goody. Are you holier than thou? You don't even have to say anything. You just live different and automatically. They start accusing you of things and calling you names. But see, the Holy Spirit, plus their conscience, convicting them of their sin, is working on their heart. And if their heart is hard, sure, they're going to call you names. But if their heart is soft, when you speak the message of the kingdom of God, it goes into good ground and it produces fruit. And then they're sitting next to you in church. Sometimes there's a process between day one and the time they come here. (laughs) Sorry, usually. What you carry says a great deal about who you are. So what kind of things do we carry? Are we carrying depression, anger, resentment, rage, bitterness, fear, anxiety? Or are we carrying the fruit of the Spirit? Love and joy and peace and joy, and joy, and joy. And joy. <laughs> Some Christians look like they've been baptized in lemon juice all the time. I don't think they know what joy is. And there's a solemn part of Christianity, but there's also a joyful part of it. So as we go through, what are you carrying? Because that says a lot about who you are. When the culture sees you and you interact with people, are you going to discourage them or are you going to build them up? Are you communicating love or are you communicating joy? What are you carrying? Because what you're carrying is going to be evident by what you present to people. I'm getting their hand. I'm getting their hand. Be patient. She's very patient. Sacrifice, you give me lots of practice. Sacrifice versus self-gratification. Yes, I do. So when you are carrying the light, oftentimes you, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you your anger, your pride, your bitterness. It's going to cost you your selfish ambition. It's going to cost you your self-will. But in return, you're obedient to God and your sacrifice, like Christ, will get poured out to this world that we live in and people's lives will be changed. Because a lot of the decisions we make are all about who? Who's number one? (laughs) Should be. (laughs) But too many times we get in the way. So if we're living in the light, and it's evident that we're living in the life, the the light, right? Here, Matthew 11, 28, 30. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Funny. Same word light, different meaning, but what does it mean? Easy to bear. When I say carry the light, I'm not just talking about the bright, visible spectrum of light that we see. I'm talking about his burden is light. When you exchange your sin for forgiveness, it's light. When you exchange your anger and your resentment and your bitterness, because none of us have that in Christianity, do we? (laughs) And we (laughs) And we release it. There's a freedom that comes. It's light. It doesn't weigh you down to live the Christian life. And, and you know, I'm not saying there's no struggle, and my wife will talk about the struggle because it's real, but the truth is, in Christianity, it's light. It's not, oh, I wonder if I can just hang on for another day and maybe I'll get there. That's not what Christ has called us to. Let's not settle for less than who he's called you to be. What are you carrying? But it's a choice that you make and I make every day. We have to choose what we're going to carry. Psalms 54, but God is my helper. The Lord keeps me alive. That's 54.4. Isaiah 46.4, I will be your God throughout your lifetime until your hair is white with age. It's not quite all white yet. Most of it's gone, but I've still got some that's not white.
1: You're looking good, babe. Don't worry.
2: I made you and I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. What God is saying here is, I want to be your God and I want to look out for you for your entire lifetime. I don't want to just save you of your sin. I want to have a relationship with you where I can pour in my spirit, I can pour in my character, I can pour in my nature, and you can reflect me here on earth. And then we carry the the light. At this time... I'm going to call the uh, drama team to come forward, and as they're getting set up, I'll make this statement: The Father wants us to give Him our fear-based emotions and attitudes, so that we that we carry, so that we can exchange them for the love-based emotions and attitudes that He wants to pour into our life. There's a great exchange that takes place at the cross. And Kim, you are on. Your attention please. This is the
1: final call for LTU. Flight 15
0: immediate gate B-26. Oh, good morning. Let me take your bag for you while you find your seat. Thank you. Oh, gosh. What do you have in there? My degrees. Oh, okay. Well, how many degrees do you have in there? Well, I have seven. I have my bachelor's in business administration, I have my bachelor's in child manipulation, I have my master's in spousal management, and I have my PhD in Eagle Inflation. Well, well, you sound like a very accomplished lady. Oh, that I am. Good. Well, unfortunately, you're gonna have to leave your degrees behind. What? Yes, I cannot allow you on the plane with that bag. Oh, this is ridiculous. It's my personal carry-on. Yes, and you've been carrying it for far too long. Hand it over. I will not. Okay, well, you're welcome to get on a plane to somewhere else. I don't want to go anywhere else. I have my boarding pass, see? Yes, I see. And that boarding pass does not allow for any personal carry-on items. In fact, none of our flights do. Listen. I must bring my personal accomplishments on that plane. If I allow you to bring your personal accomplishments on that plane, you're gonna weigh the plane down. So if you wanna move on to your next destination, you are gonna have to let go of your pride. But it's all my hard work. Yes, it is, but sweetheart, it's not lost. It's just not as important as you think it is. Oh gosh! <laughs> How do people live like this? Jeez! Good morning!
3: What's so good about it? Well, uh do you have any food on this plane. <sighs> I don't mean those stale peanuts or cardboard cookies. I want some real food. Well, actually, we do have real food. Well, good, because I'm hungry. I okay. better have a window seat.
0: Great! Thank you. Oh my god! you have in this bag? Oh, just my
3: termination papers. Your termination papers? Look, don't judge me, okay? I am very good at what I do, but I was set up, persecuted, kicked out for no fault of my own. I did my job.
0: I'm sure you did. I'm really sorry for your circumstances.
3: Don't be. I'm over it. Well. You still sound just a little bit upset. Well, of course I'm upset. It was a great job. They had no right taking it away from me. What am I supposed to do now? I need a job, and I can't get one in my field without a reference.
0: How am I supposed to live? How am I supposed to survive? Well, quite simply, just hand over your bag of disappointment and move on. Disappointment?
3: What you think this is? Don't you dare make light of my situation. This is this is anger, bitterness, resentment, and a whole lot of hurt! Right, I just didn't want to judge. <laughs> if I let this go, then justice will not be served.
0: Oh, sweetheart, you're really not doing yourself any good. If you want to move on to your next destination, you're going to have to put the anger down. Thanks. Oh, Oh, honey. You look like you need a hug. I do. Come here. Come here, sweet. Here, let me take. Bag for you while okay. you try and find a seat. There. Thank you. Oh! Okay. What in the world are you carrying? That's my Aunt Myrtle. <laughs> uh, honey, if you stuffed your Aunt Myrtle in that bag, I'm gonna have to call security. It's just your memory. I think about her all the time. She was my favourite. I was five when she passed! Five? Up, sorry. Yes, up. Continue. She was your favourite. I was
2: cancer. It runs in my family.
0: And I'm the last one! Oh, I see. Well, um, you won't be allowed to bring your Aunt Myrtle and uh, her cancer with you on this flight. What? I I thought we were allowed one personal carry-on. Yes, and personally, you've been carrying on for far too long. Where is your heart? What kind of flight is this? Sweetheart, if you want to move on to your next next destination, you can't do that if you're carrying the fear of getting cancer. But it's part of my family. Okay, um, well, let me take it off your hands. Oh, it's too heavy. You can't carry it. I don't want to carry it. I just want to get rid of it for you. You can do that? Well, absolutely. Oh, thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) Time to move on. Yeah. (laughs) Bye, Aunt Myrtle. Bye, Aunt Myrtle.
1: Good morning, and welcome to New Life Journey Flight 123. This is your captain
2: speaking. Uh, Thank you for choosing to leave all personal baggage behind. Uh, Your ride with me will be much more enjoyable. Now, uh, we will experience
1: some slight turbulence while on our journey, but uh, do not panic. Turbulence is nothing your
2: captain has not dealt with before. Uh, Just sit back, uh, relax, and uh, let's take this journey together. Enjoy your flight. They do so good. It never ceases to amaze me how many people connect their identity to the pain of their past and then they get stuck there and they never move forward i'm almost going to let my wife talk the next one carry the light carry the cross matthew 16 24 to 27 then jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower you must turn from your selfish ways take up your cross and follow me if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. If God is going to rule your life, if God is going to rule your heart, you must give up your will, your rights, and your desires. And as we read about earlier, when your desires become one with his desires, he gives you the desires of your heart. In Luke 22:42, you see Jesus in the garden. "Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine." He was getting ready to carry the cross. His cross was the sin of all mankind. All the sin, all the sickness, all the disease. All the hatred, all the betrayal, all the lack of love, all the rejection, that was his cross. Compared to his cross, light. <laughs> but here's what I wanna here's what I want you to get. Two gardens. In the first garden, Adam gave away our willpower. In the second garden, Christ purchased it back when he carried his cross.
1: So finally, I get my turn. Yay! So the I'm gonna expand oh, no, a just little kidding. bit <laughs> on um, the cross we carry. Now, when I was a little girl, there was a a poem, like a little short story, that referred to a little bit about the cross we carry. And I had a copy of it, and I couldn't find it, and uh, I was getting really frustrated. So I looked on the internet, and I still couldn't find it. So I am summarizing a little bit of the story, but I'm sure you've read it or heard it before. Um, it's We carry our cross and we complain, Lord, it's too heavy. Please cut it down a little. So he shortens our cross a little. And again, we complain, Lord, please cut it down a little more. I'll be able to carry it better. And he cuts it down a little more for us. And again, we say to the Lord, Please cut it down a little bit, Lord. I'll be able to carry it. And we say thank you so much. But then what happens in our life when a great obstacle comes or a challenge comes, the cross that was supposed to be the bridge to get us to the other side is now too short to get you to the other side. You can't lay that cross down as the bridge to get to the other side. And it's all perspective. Where one person would view their cross as... The catalyst, what God is using, the bridge to bring you over into victory, into the other side to carry you through. The other person views it as the burden too much to bear and that they can't do it. And true to that fact, you cannot do it in and of yourself. So Philippians 4.13 in the Amplified Version says, I'm sure we've all heard this scripture, memorized this scripture. I can do all things. Which he called me to do. Through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose, I am self sufficient in Christ's sufficiency. I am ready for anything and am equal to anything through him who infuses me with inner strength and confident peace. Now it's really important to understand and have understanding of the things that you can do through Christ are the things that you are called to do that he has purposed for you to do as an individual, okay? So Jesus was called, his purpose was to come and to die on the cross, to be risen, resurrected, and to sit on the right hand of the Father. That was his call, his purpose. In the natural, in his humanity as God, Jesus had to go through that physically But he was unable to do it in his humanity without the help of God. It was a supernatural work of God in his life. He was unable to be able to endure the whipping and the scourging. And then for him to have to carry literally his cross down the road, physically not possible for a person to do without the supernatural work of God and strength of God. His grace enabling him to take each step along the way to do what God had called him to do. So we need to understand that in our lives, in each of our lives, our cross that we bear is supposed to look different. So we keep, but the point is we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. The moment we get our eyes off of Jesus, then we're looking to the left and to the right and we're comparing, Lord, why is that person having you know, prosperous life and they seem to be blessed and they seem to be getting everything that they want. Lord, why aren't my prayers being answered? When we get our eyes off of Jesus and we're looking to the right or the left and our cross will then seem very heavy. His burden won't be light and we're doing it in the flesh and we're doing it in ourselves and that's when discouragement comes in and resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness comes in. But when we keep our eyes on Jesus and we're doing what he has called me to do, what he has purposed for me to do. So in the natural, when I'm given the skill or the ability to sing or to dance or maybe you have a good mind for business or whatever it is that God has called you to do, that is your, also your gift. So the cross that God is using in your life, he's working out character, he's working out the gift that he's given you, and you are better able to as you journey with him able to endure what he has in store for you now the truth is that when we look at if we believe what our perspective is what is our perspective what is our core belief so romans 8:28 says and we know that god causes everything to work together for the good of those who love god and who are called according to his purpose so if we trust God is good. No matter what, God is good. But sometimes when we're walking out that road, what God is mean, what is good, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. In no way, shape, or form is it good to us sometimes. But if we trust God, every step that we take with him and he's working out what the enemy is trying to use to destroy your life, God uses it and turns it around and works inside your life for his good. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the power and the desire to do what pleases him. So, God is the one who's giving you the grace, the enablement to do what he's called you to do. And without faith it is... To please God. So when we are walking through this, it's easy to have faith in the beginning. Easy to have faith in the end. You've got your breakthrough. You've got your answer to prayer. But where the test comes is in the middle. And the journey on the road in the middle. When it's painful sometimes. When it's stretching sometimes. When the struggle is so real and physically you're worn down. When your hope is deferred and your heart is sick and you go, Lord, where are you in this? Do you know my address? Do you know where I live? But if you're rooted and grounded and firm in your belief that you know God is good, that's right, all the time, he is going to take the circumstance, the situation, and he is going to work it out for your life, for your good. Now, the enemy, see, we need to understand that so much in this world, God is getting all of the blame for it. When in reality, we need to know as Christians in our lives, it is the enemy that comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. But we forget that there's a perfecting part. He has to perfect what he's given you in the gift. And there's process, there's development, there's growth. So God is the one doing all of that in our life. But the enemy comes to try to take it away from you. But what God says is, no, that's not how I do things. I am going to come in and I am going to, if, you surrender that to me, if you yield that to me, if you give it to me, I will take it and I will work it out for your good and I will take it and what, you would first step out, it was a weakness in your life, you step out in God's strength. And he takes it and he says, you're going to wield this as a weapon and you're going to take it and you're going to use it for my glory and you are going to now take it and I'm going to work through you to bless, to bring healing, to bring hope, to bring comfort to somebody else. Um, There's a quote that I read, and it's on the website called Spiritual Inspiration, and it says, The deepest level of worship and praising God is in spite of the pain, thanking God during the trials, trusting him when we are tempted to lose faith, loving him when he seems so distant and far away. At my lowest, God is my hope. At my darkest, God is my light. At my weakest, God is my strength. At my saddest, God is my comforter. And I love it because it acknowledges the fact that we have to process our feelings, that we, we feel, that there are days where it's hard. There are days when it's a struggle. There are days when you are waiting, and it seems like you're waiting so long. Sometimes, in, in some instances, it's been years for the answer to prayer and to carry on and to have faith. It can, you can become weary, but God says, that you can still have hope in him, faith in him, trust in him. And it ends with a punctuation point that says, this is maybe how I'm feeling, but this is who my God is. This is who he is, and he doesn't change. So I can stand on his word. And we all, we've heard the quote, um, what doesn't kill you make you stronger. And there's a lot, there's truth in in that. And there's another quote that I really like too, and it was anonymous. I don't know the author. It says, The pain you feel today is the strength that you will feel tomorrow. If you don't give up and you persevere and step by step, you walk with the Lord and you keep your eyes on Him. So as we persevere with Him and we walk with Him... Jesus is the one who comes into the fire with you. If he puts you in the fire, he comes in the fire with you and does that refining work with you and walks with you and gets you to the other side. And when you come out, you don't smell like you've been burned. You don't smell like you've been singed. You don't look you look like you are the glory goes to him. You are victorious on the other side and able to take that and Let God work through you to give that to somebody else.
2: Carry your cross. The next one is carry one another's burdens. Galatians chapter six, verse two. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. Now catch this next part. I love it. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. The Word of God has a way of putting us in our proper position. But as I'm looking at this, where we bear one another's burdens, there's a difference between interacting with people with a desire to understand and trying to be understood. And so many times we find ourselves being very self-focused because we're so interested in just being understood, and we're trying to get everybody to see it our way, that we don't actually take the time to listen to what other people have to say and hear what their heart is saying. So too many times we take the focus and we put it onto ourselves instead of onto others because we're trying to be understood, and there's nothing wrong with trying to be understood, but when it gets in the way of your understanding what people have to say, that's going to create some challenges for you in extending the kingdom of God to others. And connected to this, in the crisis, often everything gets magnified. What do I mean by that? When someone's going through a crisis in their life, it seems like the little things seem real big all of a sudden. Has anyone ever been there? You're in the middle of the crisis and all of a sudden this little thing happens and you're like, "Oh no." You know, it's it's magnified. It seems overwhelming. On the same note, when someone's going through a crisis and you extend a hand out to them and you help carry their burden, maybe it's just a simple phone call or encouraging word or a note or a smile that often gets magnified the same way. But on the side of blessing. So when people are in crisis, often things are going to be magnified. And you ready? True understanding of a loss can only come through a heart that has suffered the same. People will usually receive better from someone who's walked the road that they're going through than someone that's never been there. So sometimes we look at the road we've been down and we say, why God, why? (laughs) But the truth is, God brought me down the road he brought me down so that I can be an encouragement to people that are walking down the road. I might just be a little further down that road than they are. And in your life, you'll see you're a little further down the road than some others who are walking down the road that you've been walking down right now. And you can use your testimony of God's grace and goodness to encourage them while they're still in the process.
1: That quote that Pastor RJ read, um, that when true understanding can only come through a heart that has suffered the same. It was a friend of mine many, many years ago that had lost their father. And at that time, I had not experienced a, a great loss in my life. And I struggled a little bit to understand what they were going through and even how to encourage them, how to help them, how to support them. And I don't know if any of you have ever felt that way, but sometimes you wonder, like, you know, I want to help them. I want to do something to help them, but you don't know what to do. But often, but sometime, very short, actually, after that time, my youngest brother suddenly passed away. And it was at that time in my life where I truly began to understand, what my friend had went through and what they had gone through as I began to walk that road. And it was of great comfort to me when I knew that somebody else who had went through the same kind of loss or lost somebody dear to them went through that. It was of great comfort to me that they felt comfortable being with me in my discomfort, in my sorrow, in my grief, and just to sit there with me and cry with me just to sit there with me and hold my hand or give me a hug or even bring, me, bring our family a meal. To know that they were praying for me. It was of great comfort to me. So now, when I know someone that has had a loss and they are struggling, I am so much more easier out of that able to go to them and be comfortable with them in silence. Comfortable with them when they need to cry and cry with them and let the tears of healing flow. Comfortable to give them a hug. Comfortable to just do what the Holy Spirit is leading me to do for them because I'm able to minister out of the place that was once weak. God has turned it into a strength and able to extend as a gift to them to help comfort them. And I want to talk to you a little bit about pity versus compassion. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that through... Just a couple weeks ago, my sit my grandmother passed away. Anybody have a sit If you have a sit there's nobody like your sit She was an awesome lady. She was 90 years old and she was the matriarch of our family. She led the Yusuf and the Elias family. She was the oldest and she was an amazing lady. And she led a, an incredible life. And she led it in her example of her life. She showed tremendous kindness and love. She loved freely. She loved fiercely. She loved like, and held nothing back. She wasn't afraid to love. And she wasn't the kind of woman to take pity on you, but she was the kind of woman to extend a hand out to compassion to you. If there was something she could do, she would do it to help you, no matter what it cost, no matter what it took, no matter what the sacrifice. She was there for you. She would do whatever she could to help you. And you know what? That's the kind of Jesus that we serve, That's the kind of God that we serve. Because in Mark 1, 4, it says, Moved with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. So Jesus was moved to action. So unless you are moved to action to do something, what you've only experienced is an emotional kind of feeling. You know, oftentimes we hear on the radio or we see um, tragic things that have happened and people or children and people in desperation. And we, you know, we feel bad for them. We sympathize with them. But we are not moved to do something. And unless you're moved to go into your wallet or physically able to go and help or able to do something, that is pity. And if you're moved to compassion, You're taking action. You are doing something to alleviate somebody's suffering. Now, can we do everything? No. But we can all do something. And everyone has a hand that will touch somebody else's life that somebody else's hand cannot touch. We're all connected somehow. So it's important that you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. You move and obey and extend your hand of compassion And move to kindness, to works of kindness in your life when Jesus says, go, do, move, be moved with compassion to do something, to alleviate the suffering and the hurting of someone in
2: your world. So we're going to prepare to take communion. So if you could stand up and if you didn't grab an element when you walked in, you can uh, raise your hand and the ushers will get you one. When we were praying about this message, I really felt that there's some of you that you haven't necessarily been carrying the light in your life. You've been taking your light and sticking it under a basket, to use the biblical language. And there's some of you that you haven't embraced your cross, you've been running from it. And there's, there's some of you that have been so self-focused that you haven't been willing to look around and see the needs of others, even in your own home. So as we go to the Lord's Supper, I'm going to read something that we sang a little bit earlier, but I'm going to invite you to come down to the altar. And if you have any other reason that you want to come down right now as we partake of the Lord's Supper, you feel free to just walk down to the front and Really, as a step of faith, point of contact for you, you can come down and take communion with us today. But I want you to just have a listen for a moment as I read this, and feel free to keep walking down even when my wife starts praying in a minute. But we sang this earlier, when you walk into the room, everything changes. Darkness starts to tremble at the light you bring, and when you walk into the room, every heart starts burning, and nothing matters more than to just sit here at your feet and worship you. When you walk into the room, sickness starts to vanish. Every hopeless situation ceases to exist. Did you catch that? If you're hopeless today, when Jesus walks into your heart, the hopelessness ceases to exist. And when you walk into the room, the dead begin to rise because there's resurrection life and all you do. See, where Jesus is, there is life. Outside of Jesus, there's decay and death and pain, hopelessness. In Christ, we can have freedom. Go ahead for bread.
1: Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We acknowledge the bread, your broken body, The cross that you carried, Lord, for our redemption, for our healing, for our freedom, for our wholeness. And Lord, today, we commit to look upon this cross anew. We commit to take our cross anew that you have given each and every one of us. The cross that is personally ours, not to look to the left or to the right, but to look on and keep our eyes on you. But to take up our cross and to follow you, Lord. And we thank you, Father, that we don't do this in our strength, but we do it by your grace, by your power, by your enablement. And in all of this, Lord, we are ready. We are able. We are equal to and ready for anything that the enemy tries to throw our way. We are able to do all the things that you've called us to do through Christ's strength, through your strength. So we partake of this bread right now, Lord, and we thank you for wholeness. We thank you for healing. We thank you for your grace to move step-by-step with you in the journey, enabled by your great grace as we experience your love in our life, your goodness in our life, your faithfulness in our life, Lord God, and your mercy that is extended towards us, Father. And I thank you, Father, that we would move in a new way, in compassion towards others and towards those around us that you've called us to help and to minister to, that we would do our part to alleviate suffering and pain wherever we can because that is what you did. You alleviated our pain and our suffering on the cross, Lord. And we thank you that through you we have victorious life. In Jesus' name.
2: morning, Lord, as we look at the cup of the new covenant, I thank you that you were willing to endure the cross for us. We really didn't deserve it, but you, in your grace and mercy, were willing to pay the ultimate price for our sin. And this morning, Father, by faith, I declare that sickness needs to vanish in the name of Jesus. And that hopeless situations need to cease. And that the God that heals the sick and the God that gives us hope and the God of resurrection life is awakening and quickening the dead areas inside of our lives this morning. So Father, we have high faith this morning in you that you're working in us and through us and you're going to accomplish your purposes. Help us to identify and see the needs in others. In the name of Jesus, we pray.